0: Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5, and as mentioned, we are going to start a new series. I trust that the previous one that we've had, if you uh, need to go back to that, it's a series about our giants, facing our giants, uh, and the different uh, challenges of life uh, that uh, we deal with. Uh, I I trust that that was a blessing to you, but it's a It's time now for a new series, uh, which I've entitled, Garments of Grace. Garments of Grace. People in uh, general, uh, saints and uh, sinners alike, desire faithful and productive lives. Um, For a start, for many, A healthy life is already a fruitful life. All of us desire a fruitful, peaceful uh, life uh, in our homes with godly children, uh, a house that uh, is dedicated to the Lord, a home that is dedicated to the Lord. There's peace in the house. There's beautiful and, and bountiful gardens or orchards fruit bearing trees if if that's uh, the size of your land Uh, perhaps a uh, a career Uh, a job that is not just well paying but satisfying or maybe a a a business that is profitable Uh, and for some a leadership role a, a leadership position to be in a, in a position of authority, but not just that, a position of influence, to be a, a channel of, of God's blessing to the employees, uh, suppliers and all of that. And for, the, for many, uh, that, that is a fruitful life. and for saints and sinners alike. But for those of us uh, who wanted to be serious followers of Christ, we desire more. We should desire more. Uh, Over and above what I just mentioned, we wanted to live a spirit-filled life. Uh, One that exhibits fruitfulness. Fruitfulness in the sense of uh, exercising and living out the love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, uh, gentleness or kindness, um, goodness, faith, meaning Faithfulness, uh, meekness, uh, temperance, that means self control. We want to live a, a joyful, stress free, trouble free relationship. Um, uh, we really do not desire conflicts. Do you enjoy conflicts? No one wants to wake up each morning looking for a fight. We, we do not desire that, of course. Uh, however, we find ourselves in situations sometimes that to love our enemies uh, is just hard, even if the Bible tells us to do so. It seems difficult or even impossible sometimes. And so the title of our new series is Garments of Grace. And as we go through the series, you'll probably understand why uh, this is the title that I've chosen. But how can we actually put on these garments of grace? When we ourselves are contending with our own issues. Our old man. Our sinful nature, the carnal in us, the natural, the fleshly in all of us. Well, would you stand with me, please? Galatians chapter 5, beginning here in verse 22, of course, a familiar passage. Galatians chapter 5, here in verse 22. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia and he said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christs have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the spirit. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this time. Thank you for the privilege to preach your word. Indeed, Father, we ask that you would meet with us as you do. For where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. Help me once again, Father, to articulate your truth. Uh, Help me to communicate uh, your word tonight. Uh, Teach us your truth. And Lord, I pray that uh, as we go through this series, as always, our desire uh, is to know your truth and apply it into our lives. So Father, thank you for this moment that we have, and after tonight, this moment is gone. I pray, Lord, that uh, if there be one, two, or three that's in our midst that do not know you as Savior and Lord, I pray that tonight be the day of their salvation. And then for those of us who have had that encounter and that uh, uh, meeting with you, to have our sins forgiven, to realize that uh, we could not save ourselves, not through our good works, not through our religion, and we found not religion but relationship in Jesus Christ. Father, tonight, uh, many times as we go through the faith in the years that we've been in and through you, Could it be possible that we have gotten lost a bit? Perhaps gotten cold in our love and devotion to you? Perhaps we've even left our first love. And so I pray uh, as we go through the series that uh, we as your children would get back to the point where we are indeed in the very center of your will, doing what you've asked us and purposed us to do, pleasing you in the process until we come face-to-face with you in glory. But for now, help us to uh, understand uh, the things that uh, you have prepared uh, and taught me uh, for this week as I teach it to them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Beloved, the peak and the ultimate model of fruitfulness is no other than God himself. His creation of this world and out of this world is a testimony of his magnificence. Magnificence and also a testimony of his fruitfulness. And notice what he said to man in the very beginning when he said, Be fruitful and multiply. Hmm. Now I believe we really don't give that command its due application in these our time. Now I understand that the immediate context of that command is physiological and biological aspect of fruitfulness. Uh, but I believe it could mean more than that for us tonight. I believe there is a significant spiritual aspect of And indeed, application, okay? And I keep on saying that. It is legitimate in the Word of God to (coughs) establish the context of a particular passage or a narrative. And once that's done, you can then proceed in application. And that is what I'm trying to do tonight. It was a physical and physiological, biological command. But the application can reach out of that Uh, of that field, and I I trust that you will get that. Uh, It could mean more than that for us tonight, and there is a significant spiritual aspect to it, an application to the command as as we follow uh, that command, and it has to do with our character as a believer. Our character as a believer and the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. Bear with me on this of course in this our time in this what theologians would call this dispensation of time it's just a theological word but in this our time that's what it means second peter please uh, if you turn there second peter and uh in chapter 3 i believe it is <coughs> 2nd peter chapter 3 here in verse 1 this second epistle beloved i now write uh, unto you uh, in both which i stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water in the the water. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth and which are now by the same word are kept in store reserve unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slowness; but is long suffering to us what not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation or lifestyle and godliness An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to, understood, to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction ye therefore beloved seeing you know these things before beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness and here it is but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be glory both now and forever amen Now I labored through that and uh, many of you are probably wondering where is pastor going in this. It's talking about the last days. It's talking about uh, the day of the Lord as uh, again coming uh, like a thief in the night. As uh, uh, Brother Andrew Lewis has uh, written to us uh, and used this verse. Uh, And Joshua this morning was talking about growing in the knowledge. Now, making a point here that in these last days that we do have, as, as Peter written, the encouragement, the admonition for us is to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, did you notice that grace and peace Uh, is uh, something that uh, is multiplied. Uh, It is, uh, um, in in verse 1, it's also uh, said of those precious in the faith. Now, we, beloved, have obtained the precious faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, And we uh, uh, are indeed those ones that have been recipients of that. Now, how is that faithfulness of grace and peace multiplied? Well, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's really no other way. We are uh, given exceeding great and precious promises, the Bible says, that we may be partakers of the divine nature of God. Josh was talking about being partakers of the Lord's suffering this morning. And uh, last Sunday I was talking uh, about the life of a Christian is not a life of ease. So in our Christian life, there are uh, plenty of moments that we are partaking of the life of Christ. And in this case, His nature. Now of course, this does not mean that we would become divinity or deity that He is. I think you know that. But being like Him in His character and indeed in the fruit, of His Spirit. Now I know this is a Sunday night crowd and you would have had plenty of opportunities to have been taught uh, in the fruit of the Spirit. You would have studied this in Sunday school perhaps. Uh, You have heard many uh, a preacher or a teacher teach about the the fruit of the Spirit uh, and that's okay. But my goal for this series is not just to know but to be. To be. To know not just the what, but the why and the how. How to live out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives here on earth. My desire and prayer for us all uh, is that, uh, and how I want to preach this series is not just Informational. I wanted us to have a a time of study in this word in a relational way. Preach this series with the focus of the outward rather than the inward. And I'll qualify that statement as we go along. We will talk of joy as being the joy of or in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, 17. We will talk and learn about uh, peace, uh, that being the peace of and in Christ, which is given to us, John fourteen twenty seven. We will consider love as the love that comes from God, 1 John 4, 7. And I say it again as we go through the the, the nine fruit of uh, of the Spirit into one, okay, uh, we will consider uh, them as being the garments of grace. And my prayer and desire for us is to relate to it personally and then relate it to others. That's the goal. That's the desire. Now why do I suggest this, that leaving it out to others? Well, one of the reasons why I believe uh, and been led to preach or teach on this subject matter, albeit it's already a popular subject and there's plenty of books written on it. Uh, Why? Because I, firstly, I'd like to clarify the difference between the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit, because there's some Confusion in regards to that topic. Um, There seems to be a focus on self-ownership of the fruit and indeed the spiritual gifts of the spirit. And Branko is going through that in Sunday school. Now while we are of course encouraged to exercise our spiritual gifts, and we should, For the edification of the body, inadvertently perhaps, because we have this uh, uh, self-ownership mindset, inadvertently we might tend to do so for personal fulfillment. The danger in this mindset, if we're not careful, it can lead us to be proud. Rather than humble in service. And again, every waking moment of my life these days, I, I think of us, I think of you. And uh, whenever I stand before this pulpit, uh, I ask myself, "Lord, what can I give the people that you gave me to establish and strengthen their faith today? And that all f- form part of this Now somebody said, and I quote, The fruit of the Spirit should be distinguished from the gifts of the Spirit, but ought never to be absent in their exercise. For without love and the humility which accompanies it, the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is thwarted. End of quote. Think of love for a moment, beloved. Okay? Somebody may say or have said, oh, this is done in love. You heard that before, right? I'm saying this to you in love. Or somebody said this in love. But if it is what it's claimed to be, let's examine what was said in love versus 1 Corinthians 13 which is the love chapter of the Bible. Now turn there, please, because uh, I know it's familiar, but First Corinthians chapter 13. Remember, my context is that this is done in love. It was presented as so. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, we see it's a common Bible reading for weddings and uh, all of that. But here in verse 5, well, let's, let's, let's start in, in, um, in verse 4. Charity or love suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity or, or love vaunteth not itself, is not puff, off, puff up. Verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. You see that? Thinketh no evil. Now what does it mean for that? It means it keeps no accounts of evil. So for someone to say this is done in love... And yet what was said is thinking about evil of another person. Is it love? Not according to 1 Corinthians 13. So to think of another of evil, a brother or a sister in the Lord, and then present it as being done in love is not true. And it does not conform... With what the scriptures say and define as love. Be careful. When we say, um, I'm saying this to you because I love you. But what is being said is not loving at all. So indeed, beloved, the fruit of the Spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit and not of us. These godly qualities, these virtues, are not something that we can manufacture ourselves. Rather, they are the work of God alone, and He is the only source of them. Nevertheless, as our series title suggests, we must actively put on the garments of grace. The Lord endows us with these, and it is our responsibility to act on these endowments. Now, if we are to be fruitful, beloved, and if we are to be partakers of the divine nature, as Peter encouraged us to be, our fruitful character must come, must come must come from our great devotion, and the greatest of devotion of all is the love of God. A life that grows in loving God is not only fruitful, but becomes like God. Don't throw tomatoes at me yet. What I mean by that is a mind and a heart filled with the love of Christ crucified will change us into the image and into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. The Bible says that we... Uh, but we all with open face beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as how? By the Spirit of the Lord. By the Spirit of the Lord. You see, beloved, our character as a Christian flow or should flow out of our devotion to God. And that devotion must be confirmed or manifested in practical ways. We may respect God. We may worship God. And we may pray to God. All of those are good, but our devotion to God is what really confirms our desire to be like Him. We see this in the Apostle Paul and how he lived his life. He not only wanted to know Christ, but he wanted to be like Christ. There's a difference. Plenty of theologians today and pseudo-theologians and likes to be theologians today know about Christ. They've written books about Christ. but I'm afraid not all of them have the same devotion and love to Christ and of Christ. And so how is one not only to know but also be like Christ? Well, the answer to that question is to know, yes, but also to live out the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Again, that love, and I mean genuine love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just reading that, I don't know about you, that is some list of character to pursue. Those are some list of traits and and virtues. Uh, And I say to you, I'm not sure if I can really work or pursue or be all of those things that were mentioned. But you see herein is the truth of it all. I can't. But he can in me. Can you see? Left to our own devices, Michael, Left to our own strength, we can. But he can, in you and in me. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of his work, his sanctification in us. Uh, our responsibility as He enables us and as He develops our character on a lifetime, not an instant. Uh, we need to experience the ups and downs and twists and turns, the hurts and the joys and the sorrows, the afflictions uh, and the being in the mountaintop of our faith. And, and as we do, we get developed in our character, our strength being strengthened uh, because we've uh, been tested and, uh, and we have uh, not proven ourselves, okay? We have proven God to be faithful in, in those times of our trials and afflictions uh, over a lifetime. That's His work. That's His work. The other day, um, uh, I think I was sharing this with a brother, and one of the first sermons that I've ever preached that Pastor Vesley has allowed me to preach in, in Heathmont, and uh, I've entitled it "The Rod of Moses," a very first sermon that I that I did. And I thought my material was enough to take me to about forty-five minutes, Josh. In fifteen minutes, I'm I'm done. And I had one point, main point, and I tried to do the outline as we were taught, uh, as you know. But after 15 minutes or 20, (laughs) at best, I'm struggling. I, I didn't know what else to say. Now, by God's grace and his enablement, if I go back to that text and in that passage where I would talk of the rod of Moses, man, there's so much to say. But back then, I didn't have much to say. Another testimony that I would like to share with you is I surrendered to preach, for most of you, you know that, at 17 years old. And uh, uh, I've regretted uh, plenty of times how uh, I did not follow through that surrender at that youth camp. And I ended up uh, pastoring when I was 50 plus. And, And I look back at life and I was thinking, what a waste. And again, the, the wisdom of uh, an old preacher says, what do you know, Manny, at 17? Not a lot. I haven't experienced life. I, I haven't faced uh, sufferings and afflictions. Uh, I thought when um, my mother would scold me, that's suffering. Now Why am I saying this? Beloved, it is only through the work and the development uh, of God's sanctifying power in us that we will develop a fruitful life. It is through this process that we are able to then demonstrate and manifest these garments of grace in our lives. Through him and with him. Otherwise, if we attempt to manufacture these ourselves, first of all, it will not be genuine. It will be fake. Not only it will be fake, it will fail. It will not last long. It will frustrate ourselves and others around us for not being able to do it successfully. Now our series for the next few weeks will be about the fruit of the Spirit. But before we dive into that, I would like to give you some basic principles about godliness and in general and how to live godly. There are six of these, but for tonight we will only cover three for the sake of time. Now do you want to live godly? We do, don't we? That's our desire. Well, you and I, beloved, must firstly have the right motive. How do we live godly? How do we practice godliness? Can I tell you, and I submit to you tonight, that we must first have the right motive. And that motive is what I said a while ago, devotion to God. Devotion to God is the only acceptable motive or motivation to please Him. You see, we may have that sincere desire to please God, to glorify God. We may even refrain from doing or not doing things unbecoming uh, of a believer. But sadly, perhaps our motives are self-centered not God-centered. How do you mean, pastor? Well, we live to maintain our reputation. We live to feel good about ourselves and how others perceive us. We seek to live a decent, morally upright lifestyle And yes, we do good deeds within the household of faith and out of the household of faith. But can I ask, what is our motivation in all of that? Before you answer that, think of Joseph. When Potiphar's wife tempted him or enticed him, Joseph did not refuse and run away from her because he was thinking of himself and the consequences of giving into that enticement. Notice what he said in Genesis 39 verse 9. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? No, no. Against God. His motivation was not about Him, but about God. Uh, His standard, his motivation of and for his morality was God-centered and not self-centered. You see the difference? Now isn't this principle true and demonstrated by Abraham through the sacrifice of his son Isaac? God told him to sacrifice his son and because Abraham feared God, he did what he said. But we know that what, it was his faith that God found acceptable in the end. It was what he found pleasing to him. Folks, truth be told, many times in our lives we don't do things unbecoming because we fear God's judgment, and rightly so. But our motivation should not be because we only fear God, but because our focus is not just of fear, but of faith in Him. In that what He said in His Word. Our motivation is centered on Him and not in us. The fear of the consequences of our actions may prevent us from committing the act, that is commendable. Because we fear God. But only love, and only that devotion to God in our hearts, will please Him ultimately. There's a difference. Slaves, and by application, us, we obey our earthly masters, our boss, our employers, as unto the Lord. Colossians 3:22 to 25. We submit ourselves as hard as it is to the authority and the authorities of our land for the Lord's sake. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. We submit or submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. Ephesians 5 21. And are we not commanded in that everything we do, in that everything we do, whether we are eating or drinking, uh, when whatsoever we do, we do all to the glory of God? 1 Corinthians 10 31. And so the first principle in living a life of godliness is to have the right motive, that love and devotion to God. That's paramount. That's the first things that we should do. Second, the right power. Beloved, if we are to have and demonstrate the garments of grace... We must have the right power, the right source of power, and that is from no other than the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also made us able ministers of the New Testament not to the letter or not of the letter but of the Spirit for the letter killeth but the Spirit giveth life. Beloved, can I say to you you and I are able to minister and do what we do because of the power of Christ. And oh how I pray that we would discern the effects and the application of the letter And the spirit of the law in our hearts. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. The power of ministration, the power of ministry does not lie in us. Or in our processes, or in our procedures, uh, in all the things that we do. They're all important, but ultimately it relies on the power of God. And that's why we are able to minister. Colossians 1, verse 29, the Apostle Paul recognized that. He said his laboring, his striving is according to the Lord which or who worketh with him or in him mightily, the Bible says. Again, the power is not in us, but in the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 13, a familiar verse, but I'm afraid many times we do not really understand it or practice it. We can do all things through Christ, not us, who strengtheneth us. I think sometimes we focus on the, I can do all things. No, focus on the entire verse. I believe deep and passionately in my heart that Paul was able to do all that he did because he understood, he recognized that the power in ministry is not in himself, but in the Lord. He understood that the source of the power is Christ. And our relationship with Him as Him being the vine and we are the branches. John 15. Paul and the apostle John and if you and I are to live godly and live out our godliness we must understand Colossians 2 verse 6 to 10 uh, let's uh, let's turn there Colossians chapter 2 uh, verses uh, 6 to to 10 <clears throat> Uh, Here we find Paul again writing this, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein, with thanksgiving. Uh, uh, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of man, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Uh, did you notice that? That we are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality. That means all rule, all authority, here on earth and heaven above. Godliness, and to live godly, we must have the right motive. That of being God-centered, not self-centered. Secondly, we must have the right power, uh, that right source of power again not of ourselves but of christ and thirdly we'll finish here tonight we'll take care of the rest next time as i said the right response right response let me explain this third principle is probably the hardest to understand and apply you see we learned that the power to live godly lives is from god that's true but the responsibility of living out godliness is ours. Many a time in our Christian life we make mistake of living out godliness through our own strength. Uh, And we will uh, our strength and will and then when we discover uh, (laughs) that uh, because we're doing it ourselves we fail and indeed we will. Okay? When that happens Uh, We then resign, we then relinquish, uh, we then even renounce our responsibility. Uh, uh, Beloved, we must understand in our life as a believer the balance. The balance of responsibility and total dependence upon God. That's why I say it's hard. Uh, It is true that the Lord develops godly character in us. And He is the source of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We do not manufacture it. It is given and it is endowed unto us. But to say that we have nothing to do with it unqualified is not balanced interpretation and the right dividing of the word of truth, I believe. Somebody said, that for every one of the nine character traits uh, of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, there are also one and sometimes even more than passages that encourages the believer to demonstrate this. We are therefore to love, we are therefore to rejoice, and we are therefore to live peaceably with others. That, beloved, is our responsibility. Responsibility. Not this Paul again in his pursuit of a godly life. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 12. We're just uh, going through all these epistles, just a couple of pages maybe in your Bible. Philippians chapter 3, here in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained either. Were already perfect, but I follow after it that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward a mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice how Paul used words like follow after. That means press on. Uh, Apprehend. That means lay hold of. Uh, Beloved, these are intense action and commitment words. Uh, You get the sense that Paul was committed into acting them, fulfilling them, being responsible to achieve these goals. He took responsibility, and so should we. And so should we. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4, another letter of Paul to his son in the faith, uh, Timothy, here in verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 7. Uh, I have fought a good fight. I have finished uh, my course. I have kept the, the faith. Um, <coughs> and uh, he, he was reviewing uh, uh, the things that he did. Uh, uh and henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness uh, which the lord the righteous judge and give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them that uh, uh love his uh, of appearing uh, and uh, am i right no i am i am on s- second i'm sorry that's why i'm looking for my word and I couldn't find it but here it is Timothy he said refuse profane and old wives fables and exercise thyself rather unto what godliness godliness now notice how uh, Paul gave him an uh, instruction Timothy he said refuse Reject profane and old wives' fables. The idea here is do not waste your time, Timothy. Uh, uh, Refuse, reject endless discussions on error and false doctrines and teachings. Instead, exercise thyself unto godliness. Now you have to understand Paul is dealing with this. Uh, all the time. And so he's telling his son in the faith, don't waste your time on that. The word exercise here is komadso. It means to train like an athlete. Uh, uh, in other words, Paul admonished him not to waste his time, but rather train himself to be and live out godliness. I say it again. False doctrines And endless debates about these erroneous teachings is not edifying but exhausting. Exhausting. And I can guarantee you stay in that long enough, it will influence you. It will let you question the established doctrines of the faith. uh, uh, and, And lead you unto ungodliness. Don't waste your time in and with it. People have made up their mind. They have a certain level of belief and understanding of the word, and you can't. As much as you try to change them, you could attempt, encourage them. Can we do a study on it? But if they're refusing themselves and say, no, this is it, you have to accept that that is it. Uh, There are other things that you can agree on. Okay, the danger, of course, is when they start Talking and, and, and obviously influencing others, but that's for another day. And so, how does one find that right response to the seemingly inco- incompatible statements of being responsible and yet totally dependent upon God? I believe we can find the answer in Philippians chapter 2, and we're nearly done. Philippians chapter 2, here in verse uh, uh, 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Notice, beloved, that we are to work out our own salvation. Again, do not be afraid of this word, work out. Uh, and don't be confused about it either of that principle. To work out our salvation does not mean we work to merit uh, or to achieve or to obtain our salvation or, or works to be a condition of us being saved or redeemed. No. The Greek phrase work out means expression, manifestation, actualization, <laughs> Uh, or, or acting on what is already possessed. Already possessed. And in this case, salvation. The Philippians and indeed us, we receive our salvation, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of others around us. Expressing, living out the new life we have in and through Christ. While we grow in grace by His divine endowments, it is our duty to grow in that grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why? To glorify Him both in the here and now and forever. Amen. Ephesians 4 verse 15, our very own church theme verse, but speaking the truth in love. Why? that we may grow up unto Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Oh, beloved, again, these garments of grace are from the Lord, and it is not produced without and through Him. We must not forget that our dependence is and will always be upon Him. And let us not forget that our duty After salvation is to be godly. Practice godliness and do good works. Again, let's not forget Ephesians 2.10. For we are all His workmanship. There is your God working in us to will and to act according to His purpose. Philippians 2.12 and 13. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto, meaning for good works, which God hath before ordained, that means prepared that we should walk in them. A beautiful doctrine. Let's not be afraid of it. Uh, And so again, works is important. Not saving uh, uh, faith, uh, works in saving faith, but in serving, in sanctifying, in being steadfast, godly living in faith three principles of godliness and godly living as mentioned we will take care of the other three next time we need to get this foundational truth so by the time we dive into the fruit of the spirit we have a a good solid foundation Um, uh, and so what is your motivation in godliness is it God centered or self-centered do you do it to heap or have praise of men or because you love God and you're devoted to him number two do you understand that the power to live a godly life does not rest in you Uh, that it is in and from the Lord and indeed his word um And then uh, uh, thirdly, how are you, how am I responding to the endowments of God's grace? Uh, Again, Branko was talking about this, practicing that that gift. Uh, Do you understand and accept that it is your responsibility to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Your pastor, your teacher's, Uh, Your Sunday school teachers can only do so much, but ultimately it is your responsibility to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Why? Again, to glorify Him in the here and now and indeed forever. Three foundational truths. Take care of the other three uh, and another couple more sermons before we go into the fruit of the Spirit. I'm sorry that I've taken much of your time, but I need to get this in, so to prepare us to lay the the, the foundation, uh, rather than just giving you the gift, or the fruit, I should say, of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for this night. Uh, It it can be dry and heavy going sometimes, and perhaps things that we already know, uh, but Father, it's good to be reminded uh, to, 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 to indeed challenge our thinking or perhaps uh, consider uh, new things uh, perhaps we have settled in uh, some of our uh, own thoughts and uh, opinions and persuasions uh, but they may not necessarily what uh, indeed the, the, the Bible teaches and so uh, again uh, we, we, all of us in this room we desire oh we desire to live a, a spiritually fruitful life And I pray, Lord, in these last days that indeed we would grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, there will be a lot of deceptions coming right, left, and center. There will be a lot lot that will uh, cause us to doubt uh, you, uh, to be deceived uh, again, to be discouraged and disturbed with all these things. Uh, And so, more than ever, Father, help me. Oh, God, help me to uh, really establish and strengthen the faith of me and also the people that you have uh, allowed me to minister at this time. So as we see the day approaching, that the fundamentals of our faith is strong and we can face the tomorrow that you hold knowing that we can trust you and indeed the truth of your word, that we will not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that comes our way, no matter how persuasive people are. We do not have, I do not have, the monopoly of the knowledge. And I pray, Father, that you would teach us your truth. Thank you once again for the God that you are. And we, at our very best, our unprofitable servant, Sinners saved by grace, but desiring to be channels, conduit of your blessings. We give you the praise and indeed the thanks. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.